Blaze Nation, time to save the date. Our sponsoring partner, the Campaign for Black Male Achievements, is hosting their 10th anniversary gala on Thursday, October 18th in New York City. Join CBME as they celebrate this 10th anniversary and to commemorate a decade of growth and impact, both for the organization and a broader Black Male Achievement movement. Funds that are raised from this gala are going to be used to further expand upon the mission to build beloved communities for Black men and boys really by investing in leaders and organizations that are improving life outcomes for black males across the nation. To learn more about becoming a sponsor or to purchase tickets, I want you to hop on over right now to blackmaleachievement.org. Blackmaleachievement.org. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hey, Blaze Nation. So excited. I asked a dear friend, actually, our very first guest ever on this podcast, Mr. Donald C. Kelly. Ask DK to come back on and do yet another first for the Trailblazer community. Today, we're going to try something new. I actually talked with Donald and had him work on a solo episode where he's dropping some wisdom, some mission fuel outside of an interview style recording, just pouring out knowledge directly into each of you. So for those of you who aren't familiar with DK, Donald C. Kelly is the host of the Sales Evangelist podcast, which is an amazing platform and podcast, has published over 800 episodes now, and has featured some amazing folks in sales and in business. And Donald's just an amazing guy. In in addition to the podcast, he's also a sales trainer and coach and an amazing speaker. And so also a fellow Yadi, a fellow Jamaican, and is an amazing husband as well to his wife, Christina. Great friends of mine. I thought, you know, we all need to know how to effectively sell ourselves, whether you're in a corporate world or a business owner, you have to know how to sell yourself. And so Donald's going to share some tips with us all on how we do just that. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode with our returning guest and featured trailblazer, Mr. Donald C. Kelly. Enjoy. Five tips to effectively sell yourself. I mean, there are many different things that you probably can consider when it comes towards selling yourself, but I would give you five that I've extracted from my years of selling that I feel, especially when I go into an organization and I'm selling them me, selling them my service. These are some of the top five things that I like to point out. I feel that can benefit you in your process. Now, whether you're selling yourself as in the sales term, maybe you are a entrepreneur and you have a particular service, or maybe you are an author and you're trying to sell your publisher on why they should go with you and the book that you're going to offer, or maybe it's just for a job interview. Perhaps you're trying to get a promotion. Why should you be selected over anyone else? Not necessarily the product, but why should you be selected? Here's some tips and some ideas. Number one, remember that you are a brand. Number two, fear of rejection No one can truly reject you. Number three, know your buyer. Number four, be a problem finder as much as you are a problem solver. And then number five, have a strong conviction, a moral obligation. First and foremost, you need to remember that you are a brand. No matter who you are, you are a brand. 
Whether you recognize it or not, whether you shape your brand or not, people will shape a brand or define a brand for you. Why not create a brand for yourself? Just like Coca-Cola does or Pepsi or Mazda or LG or Apple, every organization recognizes that they need to have an identity or a calling card or something that they are known for. Whether you're selling yourself in your role, current role for a promotion, or you're selling yourself into a new job, or perhaps you're selling your services to an organization that you are going to render, you need to recognize that there is a brand inside of all of this. For instance, for myself, I'm known as the sales evangelist. I evangelize methods of effective selling. We help new and struggling sellers find more ideal customers, build stronger value, close more deals. That brand speaks for me when I'm not around. And unfortunately, I'm not always around and fortunately as well. So let's say, for instance, someone was able to go to my website or perhaps they went to, they found our podcast on Apple Podcasts and they're listening to the show. They're saying, well, what's different about this guy? What makes him so unique? Instead of them having to conjure up in their mind and to create this idea, I'm able to define that specifically on my website. I'm able to share with them through my energy and through the things I reveal on my podcast so they're able to recognize that brand. That's the sales evangelist brand. That is Donald Kelly. It also makes it memorable. And one of the concepts that I always like to teach people is that whenever you're trying to sell yourself, whenever you're trying to sell a product, whatever you're trying to sell, recognize that there are other people out there doing the same exact thing. It's competition. That's what makes our economy goes around. Here is what you need to recognize, though. In order to be successful, it's imperative that you do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. That's where your brand comes in place. So let's say bottles of water. I mean, there are bottles of water everywhere. I have a bottle of water. I have two different bottles of water on my desk right now. Each of them try to figure out a different way to stand out. Imagine if they all had the same exact label or said the same exact thing. The only difference that I would look at basically would be price at that point. However, they try to find unique ways to stand out. One of them is a spring water and the other one is a purified water, but it's actually called water. It was a bottle that we got when we went to Jamaica to visit family. And I thought it was unique, so I kept it. But their marketing is totally different than the other marketing for the spring water. How are you standing out? What can you do to help organizations or to help your boss or to help your company recognize that you're a little bit different? That comes down to your brand. Does your brand say that you're dependable? Does your brand say that you're reliable? Does your brand say that you're honest? Does your brand say that you have a strong work ethic? Does your brand say that you will go above and beyond the call of duty. Whatever that brand definition that you would like to define, go ahead and define that and don't let the world define it for you. Help them to recognize who you are. There's a guy named Donald Miller, and I learned about this from my good friend Stephen Hart. Donald Miller always emphasized that if you confuse, you lose. Does your brand confuse whoever's trying to buy from you? If your brand doesn't have a clear message and the buyer has to define that message, One, it may be a wrong message that they're defining, and two, it may be too much work for them, and they will probably go to somebody else who can define their message a little bit easier, a little bit quicker, and doesn't cause as much work, and therefore, they'll probably select them because of that reason. What is your brand? Figure that out. What is it you want to be known for? And start shaping your message and everything that you have around that, your social media, your LinkedIn profile, your blog, your website. Everything needs to be wrapped around this brand identity that you would like to be known by.
Now, no matter who you are, the fear of rejection is going to be high. It's just something that we all have. It's a human tendency. Now, before we get into all of that stuff, I want to help you to define fear. Fear really comes down to this idea. It's a it's an emotional belief that something or someone is likely to cause us harm or pain. The emphasis is on the idea of two words, emotional and that it's a belief. Now, understanding this, fear is obviously really helpful. If you're out in the wilderness and you see an animal that's large, our natural instinct's going to tell us that we need to run or to hide or protect yourself. Maybe you should not run from a bear, speaking from experience. Another story for another day. But the concept, though, is that that instinct tells us that something is going to cause us harm or can cause us some kind of pain, so we need to protect ourselves. If we didn't have that instinct or we didn't have that capability, we probably wouldn't survive a lot because we would just run up to snakes and touch all of them or perhaps run up to dangerous animals and not give a care and probably would have gotten hurt. Now, we're in decent societies and we're not going to have animals chase us and try to kill us. However, there's still eminent dangers out there. Perhaps maybe somebody that might want to rob you or hurt you or get in a fight with you or steal something from you. And we have those. So we have our fear that can help us. But more than likely, when you're going to visit with someone and you're going to sell them yourself, they're not going to physically hurt you. They're not going to purposely, emotionally try to hurt you. So why do we tend to have this fear? Why do we tend to make it seem like this person is going to hurt our family line? What it comes back down to is that we don't like to be rejected. No one likes to get that rejection, somebody telling you no. But if you have sold before in your life or any type of things, you're going to recognize that everyone is not going to like you. Not everyone is going to buy what you want. So the understanding that rejection is a part of the game is crucial. Think about it. Do you say yes to everyone out there that come up and ask you for something? No. Maybe you're at the grocery store and they say donate a dollar. You don't say yes every single time. Your kids ask you for something. You don't say yes every single time. Your parents ask you to do something. You didn't say yes every single time. Not getting a yes doesn't mean that it diminishes you. It's just that perhaps the situation doesn't allow you to say yes. For instance, you're trying to sell me why you should be my gardener, why you should take care of the plants in my garden at my house or my establishment. The problem is... I don't have a garden. It is not anything to do with you. It's just the simple fact that I don't have a garden and my HOA doesn't allow me to create a garden bed. So if that is the case, it's not a rejection of you. It's just a simple fact that I am not qualified to be able to be a candidate for you at this particular time. Now, my sales trainer used to give me different training methods and two things that I want to share with you that can help you with this principle, helping you overcome your fear of rejection. The first is to recognize that there is a numbers game, that certain percentage of people are going to say no. And there's certain percentage of people who may be uh, in the middle, don't necessarily know. And there's certain percentage of people who will say yes. If you understand that not everyone will say yes to you, you're way ahead of the game. And you will recognize that I will hear no and it won't be the end of the world. It's not that it's you. It's just a simple fact that right now it's not going to be a fit. I can't have a garden. Don't take it personal. The second thing is to separate your role from your identity. This was a powerful principle that I adopted and applied to almost everything in my life. So let's give you an example. When someone rejects me as a sales professional, oftentimes it's not necessarily a rejection on Donald and who I am. It's more so a rejection on the fact that someone perhaps is interrupting their day or the fact that someone is trying to help them recognize a problem they don't necessarily feel is a problem. 
Therefore, they feel annoyed by it. If that is the case, understand that they're rejecting the salesperson, the role of a seller, not that they're rejecting you. When someone calls your house back in the days or if somebody come to your business or call your business and you had this horrible experience with them, let's just say it was a horrible experience, you don't go back to your friend and say, I hate David, man. David was so awful. I don't like him. Who in the world is David? They won't even, you, the prospect won't even remember your name. The buyer don't even remember who you are. They will say, a salesperson called me today. And that's if you're doing something truly awful and interrupting them and being very mean. More than likely, you're not that type of person. So they're not going to say a mean salesperson or annoying salesperson called me today. But just recognize that if they do, it's the salesperson they're rejecting, not you. Separating your role from your identity is crucial to recognize that you are of strong worth. Some of the best individuals in the world, such as Michael Jordan, he had rejection in his life. But he didn't let the rejection in other areas in his roles affect who he was as an individual. So, for instance, if Michael Jordan had let the rejection of who he was as a young basketball player in high school, which didn't really exist, if he had let that rejection, people telling him that he was not good enough to be a basketball player, affect his identity, he wouldn't be the individual that he is today. He recognized, yes, I may have failed in that role at that particular time, but it doesn't make Michael Jordan a failure. It means that I can take that and I can learn. I have a strong sense of self-worth. My failure as a basketball player doesn't define me as a human being. And obviously that gave him the confidence to continue to pursue his dream and eventually playing for North Carolina and the Bulls. And even after he was playing professional basketball and went to baseball, some people would have been like, you know, after not being so successful in baseball, Michael Jordan could have said, well, you know what, I'm not good enough to play basketball. He recognized, hey, my failure in this particular role doesn't define me as who I am. I still have a strong sense of self-worth, a strong sense of self-confidence, and therefore I'm going back and playing basketball. And he came back and performed really well. So, hey, it was a sense of self-worth. Your sense of self-worth, how high is your sense of self-worth? Do you have belief in you, not in your role? Do you have belief that no matter what people say or what people do, I am still going to be a top 10? I am going to rate myself a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being I'm amazing, 1 being I am nothing. Your sense of self-worth needs to be high. That will help you overcome your fear of rejection more so than anything else. The third idea is to know your buyer. Now, this one is very, very important because oftentimes when people try to sell themselves, they focus only on themselves. But that's one of the mistakes that we will make. Recognize that in any situation where I'm truly selling myself, it's not about me. It's about the buyer. What is it that they want? What is it that they're trying to accomplish? And how can I help them deliver that? And the next point on principle number four, I'm going to go into a little bit more about the idea of bringing value. But for right now, you need to recognize that the buyer has particular reasons or particular qualifications that they're looking for. Perhaps it's for an interview. If that's the case, there are certain requirements that they probably put on the job posting that they're looking for in an individual. Maybe somebody with strong project management skills or someone who has capability of utilizing a certain CRM. Whatever those qualifications are, they're the criteria that they're going to use to judge. You need to make sure you understand those criterias and how you can utilize them in your best interest. How I can weave those using stories into this interview where I am pitching myself. So if I understand that one of the things they're looking for is someone with strong project management skills, perhaps I can think about it before I go into the meeting about a 
time where I was able to utilize my project management skills. Maybe I ran a charity event in which we were able to organize and get 20,000 people to do something or 5,000 people, whatever it might be. Your job is to then utilize that story as a talking point because it fulfills one of the criteria your buyer is looking for. A mistake that most people would typically make in a situation like that, instead of emphasizing on the issue that the buyer is looking for, they'll probably talk about how cool the event was and how they had thousands of people come to the event, as opposed to what operational capabilities they were able to execute to ensure that it was an effective event. Maybe candidate number A would talk about the fact that they had thousands of wonderful vendors and and all of these cool things and they made all of this money. When a buyer is not necessarily caring about that, but a buyer wants to know, how did you get thousands of people to this event? How did you get all of these vendors to consider partnering with this charity organization? How did you keep track of all of this? How did you delegate and to make sure it came out successfully? Think about it from the buyer standpoint and give them what they want and not what necessarily what you want. Understand you need to know the buyer. You can do some simple research before you go into any meetings with a prospect or potential buyer or potential employer. Utilize their LinkedIn, recognize their their different social media platforms, look at their website, understand if there's anything that they've received recently, understand their criterias. Maybe you can call in and get something from a lower-end employee who can tell you what they're looking for or what they have looked for in the past. Sometimes when I go to meet with a particular client and I want to give them a particular gift afterwards or some kind of thank you message or thank you cards, I can talk to their executive assistant who is a crucial candidate that gives me a better understanding of this individual. Might say they like Starbucks or perhaps they like fruit or they don't like soda. This helps me to give something that's going to tie back to what they want And this all ties back to the concept of people like to do business with those they know, like, and trust. And if I can help this individual recognize that I am like them or that I understand them, they can help to trust me a little bit more and perhaps guide my opportunity or guide this deal further down the line because we are in sync. So know your buyer and give them what they want and not what you want. Be a problem finder as much as you're a problem solver. Oftentimes, we think that we only have to come with solutions to the table. But perhaps one of the biggest things that people overlook is the key to finding problems. Why is being a problem finder so important? Think about it. If I'm a business owner, I'm going to come across problems. It's just natural. I'm trying to grow an organization. I have all kinds of people. I have different problems. I have different headaches. You ask anyone in any type of leadership role, they'll always tell you there's something, some kind of fire that they're putting out. But imagine if I could have someone on my team who can quote unquote see into the future or identify problems before they become problems and extinguish them. That person now becomes to me super valuable. You're never going to hear a business owner want to get rid of that person. They're going to say they're too valuable to me. That is the way that you want to be seen by your prospect. Is there a way that you can quote unquote see into the future? The way this might work is that if you're going after a particular industry, let's say, for instance, you are a business consultant. You've worked with many different organizations before. Or if you are brand new and you've worked with a couple organizations, you probably start to see little trends that happen. Your job is to be able to identify trends and then to bring those up as unknown needs to your prospect. Unknown needs are things that they don't even know is an issue, but you are currently or capable of looking and seeing in the future 
recognizing the problems they can solve, and helping the prospect to solve or to remedy those before they become deeper issues. This is another great place where your stories can be used. Let's say you had a client that had some kind of financial issue, something that they commonly do and didn't even recognize it was a problem. You were able to point that particular problem out and you were able to save the client tons of fees that they would have gotten charged by the IRS. If that is the case, you can utilize that story and to share what that particular issue was. That may be an unconsidered need that your current prospect or buyer is not even thinking about. Your job was seeing in the future and being able to identify a problem that could affect them and then bringing that to the table. You were finding the problem, but also solving the problem. Too often when people come to us, they only bring known problems. I already recognize that as an issue. I already have simple remedies for that. I may have band-aids. It's going fine. However, when you're able to point out something, you're being different, right? You're doing the opposite of what everyone else is doing. When you're able to point out something that may be a potential issue, something I haven't even thought about yet, something that could be catastrophic for my organization, something that has been catastrophic for others, but you were able to save them, and then you can point that out to me. That is value. That is a problem finder, but more importantly, a problem solver. Seek to find ways identify problems for your prospect before they become issues. The final principle is to make sure you have a strong conviction. This is your moral obligation. Let's say, for instance, with sales, I have a moral belief that anyone can sell if they have a desire. It is something that I evangelize. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about this topic. I'm very passionate about the subject. I've been in a situation where I didn't have the money, where we were broke, where when I was a kid, my family had financial issues and we were evicted from our apartment. And it made me realize that I never wanted to be in a situation like that again. I remember having to beg for money when I was a young seller. All of these things pushed me to recognize I needed to learn how to do this job effectively. So I did. I learned it and I realized that anyone can if they have a desire. If you have a desire, you can be trained and you can follow the basic fundamental principles and you can find success. Therefore, I have this moral obligation. Now, I'm going to share this message, and because I recognize that some people will reject me and some people will not be ready to accept it right now, I'm not going to let that stop me. I've seen the results for myself and for others. I've recognized the potential problems these can have on other businesses or other people's lives. So therefore, I am going to evangelize that message of effective selling. But if the receiver is not ready to receive that particular message, I'm going to move on. I at least brought the issue to the table. I at least share with you why. I helped you. I delivered the message, quote unquote. It's up to the buyer to accept it or not. Your job is to recognize that you need to have that conviction. Oftentimes, people will make a decision because of the conviction that they saw in the seller. If you're selling yourself to an employer, you need to make sure you are convincing. You need to make sure they see that you have this moral belief that you're the best person for that job. It is your moral obligation. If I discover the cure for cancer, think about that. I'm going to tell everyone in the world. Now, some people are not going to believe me. They're going to say, well, there's never a cure. It's never going to happen. That's not going to diminish me. I've seen it work. If that's the case, I'm going to be convincing and I'm going to keep going. I'm going to tell everyone you're not going to give up after a few no's or or after a few labs. Say they don't want to take your drugs or take whatever remedy you've discovered. It's that same conviction that you need to continue to have. Recognize that it's contagious. Recognize that people will follow you because of that conviction that you have. It can be for good or for bad, but I think you're a good person. I feel that you're going to take this and you're going to utilize it. 
people are going to buy you because of the fact that you convinced them, that you gave them true value, that you show someone with this tenacity, with this drive. It's going to be seen that it's your moral obligation to be this problem solver for a business. If you can do these principles effectively, if you can apply them to your life, not only will it help you in sales, whether you're selling yourself or a particular product or your company, it will help you when you're selling yourself to friends or to family, to a potential partner, whatever it is. If you can apply these principles of selling, you will never go hungry again. Hope this is able to help you and to give you some ideas, at least five tips for effectively selling yourself. Feel free to reach out to me if there are any questions. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tdpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers. Cheers.